The rule of three states, things that come in threes are inherently more appealing than those that don't. With the next generation GMC Sierra, Canyon, and Sierra Heavy Duty, we couldn't agree more. Whether you choose to have the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate, available only on the next generation GMC Sierra SLT, AT4, and Denali models, to confidently take on heavy loads with the available 6.6-liter V8 Duramax turbo diesel in the GMC Sierra Heavy Duty, or to get behind the wheel of the only mid-size premium pickup on the road, the GMC Canyon, you'll realize all three help you do one thing. Go professional grade. Step up to GMC and get 20% below MSRP on next-generation 2019 GMC Sierra Double Cab and SLE Crew Cab models with a traditional tailgate. We are professional grade. GMC. Offer includes price reduction below MSRP and purchase allowance. Not available with special financing lease and some other offers. Take retail delivery by 9319. See participating dealer for details. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level from on the PGA Tour with my guys all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama in the Dew Sweeper Dome as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tour Coach Podcast. My name is Cordy Walker and today we have a a unique podcast. Just a a week ago, we were all down at the Old Palm Golf Club for one of the classic Dew Sweeper VIP Junior Camps. This was an awesome group of kids, an awesome group of instructors, and we thought that we'd hang out around the table as they're grilling out, uh, getting some burgers and chicken going and have a conversation. So seated around the table, we have our host, Tony Ruggiero, the tour coach. Uh, also around the table, we have Wayne Flint. We have Mark Wood, the awesome host for this camp. Mark Hackett, the director of instruction there at the Old Palm Golf Club. Uh, and then I believe Greg Carton pops in here at the end of the conversation as well. And so we just had a good chat. It was really fun. It was a fantastic camp. We have a bunch of good video coming. One of Tony's guys that he works with, Lucas Glover, came and hang out. So we have a bunch of video with him, uh, some of the games that they play, the way that he approaches the instruction and kind of the advice that he passed on to the junior. So watch for the video of that coming soon over on the Golf Science Lab YouTube channel. Other than that, let's get into this uh, fantastic little roundtable discussion. All right, so we're sitting around uh, the table before dinner. We have a, a live studio audience here. Say hello, everybody. Wouldn't call them alive. <laughs> a live studio audience. So today was, as we've been saying, Tony, one of your all-time favorite days today. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was one of the best days we've ever had. We've been doing these a long time together. I, I don't know when was the first one we did. First one we did had to have been at Lakewood back. Uh, I mean, it was a long time ago. I mean, JP Cave was like this. Remember, that's yeah. when you. <laughs> yeah. It was more than that. I think Vince Cave was a freshman in high school, seven eight years ago. Okay, so why was today one of the best? Well, I think over the years we've gotten to the opportunity to expose the kids to. I mean, we've always had great staff like Woody and Wayne have always been great at coming, and uh, Woody would have to pitch in and organize it for me in the early days. Huh. And uh, <laughs> but um, you know, we've had more opportunity to expose them to people that are 
that are the best at what they do. So like today we've had Colby before on the tee with us, like last couple of years at, at, in San Antonio and uh, we've had good players before, but I mean, I would say that, you know, being able to take them into Colby's place and them to see what, like, I mean, realistically, like Joey D's place there, I mean, heck five of the, or six of the top 10 players in the world work out and train there. I mean, it's impressive, you know? So to be able to take them in there to that and to see that and experience all those trainers and go through that, you know, to me was a big deal for them. And then on top of that, and then combine that with, I thought the way I'd say we, you broke it into six stations today and rotated them through. I thought, in fact, Blake Bejos said earlier how it was the best been because and i've had will mcfadden said it before like those short 20 minute go in get information learn it and get out i think they really like that instead of just sitting there beating balls for a long time and then you combine that with you know having lucas who's a top 75 player in the world now and ranked 30 in fedex and have him to come out and i thought you said it earlier like i mean he was very i thought open and honest sincere in the information and Wayne said it while we were riding back. Like I thought if anybody here wanted to be good, he basically gave you the roadmap to what you have to do to be the best you could be. Like, I mean, and I didn't think he sugarcoated it, thought it was like real sincere and open and honest. And, and, and then he was, you know, and then hit some balls. And, and I thought the short game stuff he did was great too, breaking down how he hit a couple shots. That was awesome. No, it was, it was fantastic. And I, I thought, I hope one of the points that that Lucas made was that you, he always wanted to hang out with somebody that was better than he was, mm-hmm. even when he was on the tour, even when he's the U.S. Open winner, right? He, he said, I always wanted to hang out with somebody that was better for me that I could learn and I could grow from. And he says, you know, if you take that throughout your career, whether you're a junior golfer, whether you're a tour player, I mean, you'll get better. He still does that. You know, I obviously go in a lot of practice rounds, but like, been to several of them with Davis Love, you know, playing with veterans, people that yeah. still, I mean, he values that. And, uh, you know, at the British Open last week, he played five holes with Furick, you know, and it was, in it, you know, interesting. Watch how he likes to play with those veterans and those guys. And you can tell they're still watching and learning. And, you know, and, for, and then from my point of view, I've tried to, do that as much as I can for my guys that are the young guys that are playing out there. I've tried to get them to go ask him to play golf so that they play practice rounds with him. And then he invites, you know, he'll invite another veteran because I mean, you know, those guys have been out there for, they figured out how to stay out there a long time. I mean, and I think that's a, there's something to it. If you've been able to make a living and stay out there long enough. Let's shout out to our live studio audience here. What do y'all remember? Like on that? So Tony said, he kind of laid out the roadmap, right? Like, what would be something on that roadmap for you? Did anything stick out? You have to earn the right to do that. Well, that's a good one. That yeah, me interesting. too. I like that a lot. That was good. So what, what did that? What did you hear? What 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 resonated with you? You can't get mad if you work for it because it's you're getting mad based off expectations and not reality. So you really have to work for it, like on the range, put in the hours, put in the work, and then if you hit a bad shot, then it's okay to get mad. And I've never heard that before. I hadn't either. And, you know, he's like, look, as long as I is, I, I can get mad, I'm going to get mad, but I'm going to let it go. And and I thought that, I, I did, I thought that was awesome. I'd never heard that either. You know, and I asked him, is it okay to break a club? Is that, I mean, yeah, 
That's what you need to get done. I may get fined. Right. But he said he's human. But he's human. End of the day, and then him and his caddy have that yeah. communication. Right. I mean, that was, that really would resonate that. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think he's, he's you know, I th- Greg would tell you if he was here. I mean, he's he's worked hard over the last couple of years to get better at understanding that he's human and that it's okay to hit, make mistakes. And, I mean, he's incredibly hard on himself. But, you know, I like the approach that, like, heck, I mean, as hard as he works and as good as he is, I mean, if you hit a seven iron from 170 yards and you pull it in the water, it's okay to be pissed off. I mean, you should be mad, right? I mean, he should expect to hit that shot. But, uh, you know, so I thought I, I agree. I thought that was a, I thought that was a good. I thought that was a great point. Then it's a hard game. Then the day he's kept. I lo- I lo- I love the old adage that he brought out. He says, "Look, you got a flat surface and a round ball. This is hard. Yeah, it is. It's hard. Keep your eyes in the sky instead of looking down. It's just all simple, but it's like." Makes sense. You know, hacking, one of the things that you and I have talked about over the years is that the fundamentals haven't changed. And to hear, uh, you know, a veteran say, look, the game's still the game. And granted, we're inundated with technology, which is great, but how it's used in the, you know, you know the, the appropriate way that it's used. That, you know, he's like, some people get so caught up into the technology that they're only out here for a few years. And then he made the bad comment about insurance but that was okay oh. <laughs> <laughs> who's our favorite insurance who's our favorite insurance salesman for all your needs call mark wood <laughs> world insurance associates right right and then he put a good compliment to you when he said you know tony reels me back in works on fundamentals and i work on that and keep it on task well it's not glamorous you know i think you know i thought is like sometimes people think, and you know this, and you all of us know this from working with those guys, is that like it's like you're telling them something that's revolutionary or glamorous. But I think the best people out there and and the best players, like I mean, it's getting them back to what they do, and it's fun their fundamentals, whatever it is. Like you know, for him, it's setting up and the things that he needs to do to hit a draw, you know. And I think that I thought that was great. The kids here and that like, I mean how important it is that he understands what he's trying to do to set up. And then I thought your question about what happens to people when they get lost was really good because I think most every junior or good player here, I guarantee at some point they felt lost. Like what what the hell's going on? I'm working hard. I mean, Drew, I've had texts from you before. I'm go, I'm working hard. I'm hitting a bunch of balls. I'm not getting any better. I'm trying this. I'm trying that. What, you know, everybody's been there. And so to hear a guy who, like he said, has won a U.S. Open. And I mean, he, you know, I mean, I've, the thing I always point out or is like he's won a U.S. Open, but he's also been back to web finals twice. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, I mean, that's resilient. And uh, and and so to be committed to what he does, you know, I thought his answer and his points about being lost were good for these kids to hear. Because at some point, even the one, whoever's playing the best and maybe hadn't happened to it, I mean, at some point they're going to feel lost. I know every time that I've ever had a, a good player that has come in for lessons or whatever at the club, I've always invited other amateurs to come watch. And, you know, I said, look, you guys want to come watch? Come watch. And they all walk away and say, well, that's the same stuff you tell me. Oh, that's the same game. I mean – you know, they just do it better. What is the difference then? Well, they have way have way more control of the club and their motion than the average player. So they've, you know, the 10,000 unit 
you become an expert right after 10,000 attempts. Well, they're way over that, right? So they don't change very much. Once they've built a motion, they, it's the same. They understand what that motion is. And, and especially the amateur player, the amateur players always change it. So he may have hit 5,000, but he doesn't get to 10 because he's changed his mind. And then all of a sudden he hit another 5,000 and he changed his mind again. So now maybe he is, maybe he has hit 15,000, but he hadn't hit 15,000 trying to do the same thing. So they're not an expert yet at what they do. The tour coach here, we've got the best sponsors in the entire world. And one of them, the folks at Vineyard Vines, take the best care of me that anybody in the world could. Always going above and beyond to make sure I've got the best apparel out there, as well as the best product and the best looking gear for me and all of my junior golfers and all the dew sweepers out there. And so now we want to share the love with those of you that like the Tour Coach podcast. So each and every week we're going to start a contest and we're going to draw a winner for a couple of hundred dollar gift cards where you can go online and get you some great looking Vineyard Vines golf. All you have to do is listen to the Tour Coach podcast and then go on Twitter and tweet me at Golf and at Vineyard Vines, hashtag Tour Coach, and put one of whatever is your favorite part of the Tour Coach podcast. You can do the same thing on Instagram. Go on Instagram, take a picture of the Tour Coach podcast, put what your favorite part of it is, and then just tag me at the Dew Sweeper and at Vineyard Vines, hashtag Tour Coach, and we'll do a drawing each week, and you can be the lucky winner of some Vineyard Vines gear. How do you know when you need to change and when you don't need to change, though, if what you have right now isn't good enough to get you where you want to go? I think the, the goals have to be realistic, right? If a player says, hey, I'm going to – I'm going to do everything I can to be a PGA Tour player, and I've played college golf. Now, if a, a person's come to you and said, well, look, I've never played golf before. I'm going to play the Tour next year. Okay. No, you're not. It's not going to happen. So that goal is unrealistic. I don't care how talented you are. Now, you can become a nice player. You're not playing on the Tour. And everybody talks about these, these great athletes that now, oh, I'm just going to go play professional golf. Mm, probably not. Okay. And, and, and they're nice players, and, and there's a reason that they're in those events, and it's great, and it's great fanfare, and they are wonderful, wonderful players. Not even close to the guys that are playing for a living. Not even close. So I think that's the – to me, that's the difference. And, and so I think you have to help them set realistic goals that are attainable. And then there's got to be milestones. Sometimes you don't like it. Sometimes you have players that are really, really good players, and – you know, what, what I see or I have other guys see, they don't like it. They don't like the way it makes their body feel. They don't like being nervous. They don't like having butterflies. They don't like any of that stuff. And then you got some guys that love it. I mean, some guys want to beat your brains in, okay, no matter what they got, they're going to win. And then there's certain guys that, hey, if it's not perfect, then they're going to hang their head. I think one of the things these young folks can learn from guys like Lucas to try to get to the step that they want to get to is how detailed he is at the things he can really control. You know, one of the things that I noticed today, he knew exactly how far he hit it. He knew exactly how far his standard shot went. He knew exactly how far it carried. He knew exactly how far it rolled out. And then when he wanted to hit one longer, his max, he knew exactly how far that went too. And, I, you know, I don't see my young students, you know, amateurs, 
kids going high school to college, I don't see them taking near the time or the effort to really figure that out. And, you know, they have a hard time getting their way around a golf course because they don't really know that. They don't, they think they know that, but they don't know that. And he knew that today. He knew exactly what those numbers were and he knew how to make those numbers happen. You know, he talked about choking up an inch and he he could make it go a little shorter rather than longer. And he said he made it go shorter rather than longer almost all the time. Hardly ever went longer. I think it's just the opposite with the younger players. They're trying to make it go the max Every all time. the time. Every time. Every time. I don't ever see them backing off and trying to control their golf ball. And he figured out, when he figured that out, I don't know, but he figured out a long time ago that controlling his golf ball was the key to being able to work his way around a golf course. So, and the shape. Yeah. And the shape. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I'll be more aggressive when the flag's on the left, mm-hmm. and I'll hit that one a little harder than if the flag's ever on the right, because he likes to draw it. He just he put that out there today, and I'm, I'm certain that a bunch of our kids haven't even thought about the cross on the flag. No. They haven't even, that's never even in their thing. mind. They should play games with themselves and learn how to learn how to do that. Learn how to try to control those things, because I think those are the little nuances that make great players be great players. Just the fact you asked what it means, you know, he hits a draw. He wants the ball to start to the right and curve back towards the flag, and right so he, of the intended target, right of the intended target, and curve back towards it. And he never wants the ball to cross that flag and end up left of the intended target, because. He doesn't want to short side himself. It's so he can aim that way and think his way around the golf course. And, you know, I mean, that's the interesting thing. I think when you hang around guys like that is how they think about those details. And that's how they navigate themselves around the golf course. And, and one of the reasons he gets the ball up and down 66% is because he doesn't put himself very often in a place that's a super, I mean, he does occasionally out there, but like, the number of times that he short sides himself where he's not supposed to be isn't very much. And then I see guys, I mean, other guys I teach on tour that are rookies or good players, like that haven't got to that level yet. I mean, a lot of times they don't get it up and down because they hit it in the worst possible place that you could. I mean, there's no chance to, it doesn't matter how good a chipper you are. Right. And, uh, but I don't think they think that way. I think that one of the reasons he's won a U.S. open and, been out there for as long as he has is I think that's how he thinks the way around the golf course. Man, and I think if these guys went out there and just tried to do that for a round of golf, they'd be shocked. Shocked. And they'd be shocked at how often a good player takes a long club and names it right in the center of the green, regardless of where the flag is. I, mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that the, and this isn't picking on them, but like that, how aware they are of what really is a good shot for a tour player, like with a five iron. I don't think that they realize that an acceptable average good shot for like a tour player with a five iron might be 30 feet. Right. They're aiming and trying to hit it six feet or 10 feet. And, you know, that's just not realistic. And that, like, you know, the average tour average, I don't know it exactly, but like with a wedge is like 16 feet or 18. I mean, it's not hitting it in the leather every time. And, you know, you see them trying to hit shots that, heck, guys that have been doing it a lot longer that are a lot better can't pull off every time. And I saw it last week at the Open. You saw with, obviously, you brought the conditions in. But where, like, I thought he did the best job I've seen him do where he played, like, he hit the appropriate shot. Like, okay, I'm going to hit this over here, and if I miss it, this is an easy up and down because it was really hard. And, he, you know, he played great doing that. And Cooper's caddy said the same thing. Like, man, we played four days of golf hit it to the right spots, 
left it in the right spots all the time. I think I, that's where I think these kids, and I hope that tomorrow getting the opportunity to play with him some holes, they'll watch like where he leaves the golf ball. Yeah. I think where you leave it's a big deal. How, how many times How many times do you guys have super talented students that think they're better than they are and think that they need to play at a level that's more advanced, right? So, you know, okay, well, you know, I, I, I'm playing on the high school team. I'm going to use an example. I'm playing on a high school team, and I, I'm going to go play, you know, major college golf, but I'm the third best player on my high school team. Well, maybe you ought to try to beat everybody on your high school team first. Then maybe everybody in the city and maybe everybody in the state. If you did that, then you can take it wherever you want to go. But if you can't beat everybody in your own city, then maybe you're wasting your not wasting your time, but maybe we've got to back up on our expectations. Kind of reevaluate. Reevaluate. Nice way to put it. Yeah. Well, I think people have great dreams. I mean, I think gr- dreams are dreams great. Dreams great. But I don't think they have good programs that will allow them to get to the dreams. I mean, that's one thing. Tony and I have always tried to do, and we've all tried to do, yeah, is give, for sure. give these kids a program of of everything that they need to work on, that if they'll stay to it and do the work like Lucas talked about today, those things, you know, you, we've all seen them get better over two, three, four years. You know, they come and they're not always good golfers. And then when they leave, they're, you know, if they've done the work, like Lucas talked about today, if they do the work required, then they leave good good golfers. And they all go on and have you know, have fun in college and, and doing the things they do. But, you know, the the program just doesn't happen in a week, or it, it certainly doesn't happen just because you say it's going to happen. Right. You just because I want it. That's because I want that to happen. That's right. So, you know, so the program's got to be worked on and, and, and monitored and all those things. You know, and I've been – I've hacks nice and lets me come down a bunch when, you know, the guys are down here. But you watch – like he's out there all the time, and you see all the great players they have there. You know, a bunch of the South African guys, like Brendan Grace was out there hitting today, but like, they're all doing mostly the same thing. You know, I mean, and I know you see it all the time. Like mm-hmm. it's not an accident that they're good. They know what they're working on all the time, and and I mean, I'm sure you don't ever see one of those guys just set up and start hitting balls, and they don't know what they're working on, and they don't know where they're aiming, and they don't know what they're trying to accomplish. It's a game plan. We kept talk. Lucas talked about the short game. Work on not your strengths, improve on your weakness it was awesome. resonating. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, he said it took me a lot of years, even while I was on tour, to realize that I didn't do that. I just practiced what I was good at. That was easy practice. I didn't go practice that what fun. I was. Yeah, that was fun. It's easy. I want to take us back to uh, an earlier question. You talked about controlling your golf ball instead of swinging hard to see if some of these guys are maybe trying to think about what they're thinking. So you see all the data about the farther you hit it, the more money you're going to make. I just saw a graph today of the farther you hit it, literally, they have the highest money totals. So how does that equate, like those kind of stats and whatnot and the way that people talk about that now these days, like how does that equate to that But I mean, kind of idea? If you're talking about the PGA Tour, in my opinion, like Lucas said, the worst short game out there is still better than anybody. Ten times better than anything you've ever, ever seen. seen, right? And so, I mean, you're talking about guys that can hit it really far and have a great short game, you know? And so, I mean, I, you can't get – I mean, it doesn't matter how far you hit it if you can't score, if you don't know what to do with it when you get it up there, you know? So, I mean, I think that obviously hitting the ball a long way matters nowadays. But, you know, I mean – When's the last time Zach Johnson's won a driving contest? I mean, he's won two majors. 
He knows how to get the ball in the hole. You know, there's how about Jim Furyk? Jim Furyk. I watched Jim Furyk. We, like I said, played four or five holes, and I mean, he plays his game. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable, right? And it's it's so it was so impressive to watch him for four or five holes, like do what he does. Made the cut at the open. He's competitive. He's still like I mean, you know. So I mean, I I'm not disagreeing that it's imp- it helps to hit it far, but I I mean, I'd like to see a stat where like it says that. You don't have to chip and putt, and you can still make a lot of money. Right. I mean, I bet there's no – I mean, like, you know, I mean, is there a stat that says that the bottom five chipper and putters finish still in the top ten money winning just because they could hit it far? I mean, I don't – I think it's – I think that's misleading because I think I think they all hit it far now. They they all do. That's what Brandon said prior. He said he hits that flash 25 yards further. Mm-hmm. He has less control. So he's going back to his old driver because he was known to be – Great driver of the golf ball. I mean, so do you want to hit further or do you want to have control of your ball? You better have control of the ball, for sure, right? You know, and, now, and nowadays, it, I think a lot of it is so misleading because of the way it's sold, right? There's nothing, there's nothing, I mean, if you're, if, if they're selling a golf ball, they're selling a club, or they're selling anything, it's farther. It's not straighter. It's all about farther. I thought it was interesting today, too, when Lucas talked about the young guys, how he sticks with his golf clubs probably a little longer than maybe most guys out there, you know, plays with his irons. I think he said once he once a year he changes, wedges every four or five weeks, I think I heard. Same driver he's played with for a long time. And, you know, he sees the younger guys jumping, jumping ship and, you know, going for all the stuff because they're getting all this free stuff and they think it's great and it's really cool and, and he talked. And he talked about some great players, and 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 remain nameless. That you know they they went for the club switch, and for money, for money, and now they're not. Out, they're out of golf. And then they don't have control of their golf ball. Yeah. So I mean, it really does go back to you either control your golf ball and work around the golf course, and if you're not in control of your golf ball, you can't work around the golf course. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. If you can't control the golf ball, you it doesn't. It may, it probably wouldn't matter how good you could chip and putt, really. I mean, if you really can't control where that thing's going. So, you know, being able to do that and control your golf ball the whole time, coupled with being the best chipper and putter in the county, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, that that's a recipe for success no out there. And if guys can really, really putt it, then if they're a really, really good putter, that can make up for a lot of mistakes. But, right, but that won't last. I mean, hard for that to last throughout your whole career. Well, right. and, and we talked <laughs> right? about we talked about this. We talked about this this morning, and Wayne and Hack and I've talked about it. Like, so with all the technology, there's a way to measure, right? You can measure, and any of us can do stuff. And and there's big into like trying to make everybody just swing faster. But you you made a. I wrote it down actually, yeah. but like no, but you said like, hey the. You measure too. The, the one thing you measure is a person's handicap or the score, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the only real measure. The that only matters. real measurement. And I think people get so caught up in trying to make players get so caught up in like, is my swing speed faster? Right. Am I swing? You know, um, you know, or you know, whatever. Like, I, we made this guy swing, whatever. But like, in the end, you still got to be able to go hit it wherever it landed. And just because you can go faster doesn't always mean that you hit. You can get the face square and it on the plane and get the and find the golf ball, and you know and like so Lucas is swinging faster, but that wasn't his goal. His right. goal was to like that just happened. 
And that happened because he did the work in the gym. In the gym, and he got and he went back to his fundamentals and learn and got back to doing what he had to do, and and his speed came back. Probably didn't really. He's probably not faster than he used to be. He just got back to what he used, to, he do. used to do, right? And so, you know, I think that's. I just think that's a big caution for lots of young folks. I mean, I think they get so caught up with all the everybody's club or everybody's pro. Everybody has a track man or whatever, and everybody can measure how fast something's going, and like they get so caught up in that. I think nowadays, and you should still you should be more caught up in what you're shooting. Well, Lucas made a great point too that he loves all the technology, thinks it's really really cool, but he doesn't dive a thousand percent into that. He said he really likes to use the technology to find out exactly how far he hits the ball. He, right, he wants, challenge you that. Yeah, way. he wants to control that golf ball, and and I mean he wanted to he wanted to use this great stuff that's out there for all of us. I mean I I think it's cool. I I like it and it's fun. But it, it doesn't it's part of it. It's part of it. It doesn't make it all work. I mean, there's still the work's got to be put in by by the player, and the the, the program's got to be organized. And you know, the technology helps you, you know, measure all that stuff to where you know what's going on. But that's that's it. Really comes down to controlling the golf ball. I mean, in the end, that's all that we're doing. You know, and I, and I remember, uh, you know, some of my early lessons with you and lessons with you, and about like, hey. And and we joke about me inventing the rope because I did, but um, <laughs> but uh, but like you know, look, you got to learn where the target line is and how to learn to start it down there and control which way it curves. And you know, I mean, I don't know that. I mean, I think I have all that technology, but I, you don't. I don't know that you need that to learn to start it down that rope and control. No, it but it, but it is a one. It's a wonderful measure to, because you can measure. And then you can compare measurements. That's great. It's fantastic. You know, and, and I like using it a lot of times. You know, you know, you'll, you'll tell a player, "No, it's still got to be in, in to out," or "That's still got to be out to end." No, there's no way. Well, let's go find out. Yeah. And then they hit one. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back out. It still doesn't start where you're looking. So dial up the dial up the game plan here. Then we've talked about controlling your ball. We've talked about short game and putting. You know, for these guys sitting around here, uh, we talked about fitness. What do you want to see on a weekly, on a monthly basis? Like, what things do they need to go do now that help them? Do everybody's these different, right? So everybody's got to do what they got to do their plan, not what we're all going to go do. I mean, if I'm a bad driver of the golf ball, I got to work on driving. If I'm a bad chipper, I got to work on my chipping. And I'd have to spend more time in that specific area. You know, I thought it was interesting. I, lo- I loved, and I, I thought it was great again today. He said, look, if I have a three and a half hour period, Lucas said, I've had a three and a half hour period. I hit balls for an hour. I chip and putt for an hour and a half. And I play for an hour. And I get out of here. I'm good. Because the test is playing. All the practice. So I practice for two and a half hours. Then I go on the golf course. Can I do it one ball at a time? This might be a weird question. They're all does, weird. I know. I try. Um, I'll does, let you know if it's weird. <laughs> does that just maintain skill or does that improve skill? Improve skill. If, you're, if you have the right plan. Absolutely. 100%. Now, if I just go out there and I randomly beat balls and there's no... There's no rhyme or reason, and most golfers are ball beaters. 
So they don't, I mean, Lucas, you know, put down the sticks. And then Tony says, come hit balls over here. He says, my sticks were lined up right here. So then he took the sticks and he lined them up again. He didn't just hit. Most people just want to hit. They just want to hit balls. And they never really know where they're aimed. They never really know where the ball position is. And look, I had, which which fun for me, but I had in the bunker. To me, a bunker game is 90% setup. Once you got to understand how the setup and then what the club's supposed to do through the sand, it's not that hard. And most of these guys, I'm like, guys, you can, we're practicing. You got a pile of balls. Draw pictures in the sand. Draw a target line. Draw a ball position line. Figure it out. Figure out where that club's hitting. It reminds me of one time. I don't know if you were there. I know you were there when we had our friend Tom Ness down. I had him down to the country club, and I had him watch a guy. I had him watch a a, a member hit some balls, and the guy was aimed all over. And he asked him, he said, do you put anything down? And he said, no, no, but I practice. I hit a lot of balls. He goes, all you're doing is getting better at not being any good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. So he's wasted time. Yeah, I think you, you know today with Lucas putting the sticks down. I mean, I see all these a lot of kids that have the sticks in the bag, but they never get on the ground. You right? Know? And I'm waiting, you they're brand around? new looking. They're yeah. brand new looking. They got so, the cover on them. So you use those, and you know <laughs> you, you start to develop the skill to hit the shot that you need to hit. Yes. But then you know after he has done that on the range and done that on his chipping and putting. The part where to acquire the skill or get better, I think that when you go out on the golf course, that's when that, that you know, you start to own it out there because that's really playing the game. And that's when, you know, that's when the practice starts to pay off and, and you yourself t- take ownership of that. And, and that's when you really can move your game forward, I think. You know, another thing he does, I mean, he didn't do it today. Y'all didn't see him all practice, but that I think that kids would be good at doing is, like when he practices, he obviously draws the ball, but he always hits a bunch of different shots other ways too. You know, and I think that's good to get a feel for where where you are with the club on the plane and what the face is doing. I know you do that a bunch with the rope and yeah. and changing your setup. Yeah. But like you, if you watch him hit balls tomorrow, like he'll he'll go up through his irons. But then when he gets to a three wood, he's gonna hit some cuts because he may have to squeeze one out there, and he and he's gonna hold some. And instead of just getting there on the range and just hitting your shot time after time after over, only the good one. Only right. I mean, like I think it'd be. Gr- I think it's great to get out there and and to hit some draws if you hit a draw, but then hit somewhere you got to cut them in. And I think that helps you get a better awareness or feel of like what the, not just how to hit the shot, but like it gives you a better feel of where the club face is and the path and all that stuff. You know, you know. I remember one time one of the first camps, you know, with the rope and. After I showed you Is how that to use that, that's that's how I showed you how to use it. And that time, and maybe you talked about like, okay, so if the ball starts to the right of the rope, I mean, and it curves to the left, what's the path doing? You know, but you can learn a lot about what your golf swing is doing sure. by trying to hit different shots. And I think too many, you know, they they just go out there and they're hitting every shot full, kind of like you said, Wayno, and hitting it at a target, not thinking about okay, if I want to draw this here, now what do I got to do to make it curve right to left, or if I want this one to go left to right? And I think by just trying that stuff on the golf course, they'd be better, or on the range, to be better off. No question. So Lucas has had a, a great year this year, right? It, has that been the biggest shift that you think has, has helped him bounce back? Is the focus on that, or, or what other? I think he's in better shape. I think he's in the best shape. I think the stuff he's done with Colby's made him able to do the stuff he's doing easier. And I think he's chipping and pitching and putting the ball statistically better probably all the way around than he has for a whole year. 
you change anything technique wise or do anything with his dry, with his chipping we did yeah. you know he he would tend to like lots of folks he would tend to try to lean backwards a little bit almost lifted in the air when he didn't have a good lie and so i would show i showed him this drill where i had him roll the spikes of his right shoe up off the ground and have him not put those back on the ground so that he had to kind of stay on his left and turn over there to hit it and it's funny like i'll watch him sometimes like he'll get um, I don't know if you saw it today, but he had a little downhill lie, and he does that. And I saw him, I remember, a couple of years ago at BMW, and he was playing well, and it was the end of the season, and he had a real tight lie downhill with water behind it, and you can't hit in a bunker in front of you, you can't hit a bad shot. And he did basically the drill out there hitting the shot on 18. But, you know, we we did some stuff like that to just help him with contact. And then I just think it's – I mean, he you can tell he loves competing, and he loves gambling with me. And, uh, you know, we've, we've turned that like, and he loves challenging himself. We've, we do that all the time. I, th- I think that game combined with a little bit of technique is, is, is helped him. And I think a focus on it. I think when he wasn't hitting it as good and different place and all that, I don't know that he focused on, it, but now he knows he's hitting it good. He feels good about what he's doing. So he's back to spending, what did he say? 65%. What what yeah. he say? Sixty five percent of his time on short game. Yeah, thirty five percent in his full swing. And I think these kids the same thing. Like if you you have your note cards from Wayne or Woody or me, and you know what you're working on, you don't need to spend eighty percent of your time hitting balls. Go work on the stuff on your note card and do it, and then go perfect the stuff you need to do to score. Burgers look like they're about done. Any final Q&A from our live audience before we uh, close this up? Are they alive? They're so alive. So alive. Five minutes for the burgers. We got 10 more minutes of podcasting that Woody's never going to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be listening to Dan Bongino over me. I can't believe that. Tell them the story with the challenge, with the distance, what you did at the junior camp that year. Oh. Prior. So we we were talking about we were telling stories about about the junior camp and and, and uh, so I made a comment. All time great. So we were we were going to take him out on the golf course in the afternoon and and obviously we all think it's important to to play and how to score et cetera. And it was a really a bad day. It was super windy. I mean, it was just going to be a horrible day. So we decided. I told Tony that I had the game. And so at lunch, I ask every student, what club do you need to make it go 185 yards? And they all would give me, oh, I can hit my eight iron. I hit my seven iron. Okay. Not one of them asked me where the wind was, what the lie. I mean, what what do I need to do? What, what I can need, just hit my eight iron. I can, yeah, 185. So I knew that to cover every hazard on that nine holes, you had to hit it at least 185 yards to cover the hazard. And so now all of a sudden they're out there and they have to play. They have to play whatever club they told me. They couldn't play any club more than that. So if they said it was an eight iron, then they couldn't tee off with a seven iron. They couldn't tee off with their driver. They had to hit their 185, supposed 185 yard club. So now they're posed with a deal. I can't cover the hazard with an eight iron. It's dead in the wind. I can't do it. So then they had to figure out how to shoot it in the woods and, and then where they could keep playing from. And uh, so, I, Will, I'm going to give you uh, – Will McFadden was, was there and, and at that time was making his ball go a little more right to left than he wanted. And the 
wind is howling off the right, and I'm sitting on the ninth hole and water all down the down the left. He comes up to Jesus. I can't finish. I can't finish this hole. So we got to figure out how to finish this hole. So he made the most beautiful five. He hit he hit a little eight iron and just chipped it off the tee. He didn't hit it fifty yards, and so he could find it, and then he beat it down to the bottom of the hill, short of the water, in front of the green. Pitched it on the green, left himself about a twelve footer. Thought he's going to make him a four, but he didn't. He made he made a beautiful five. But that was the art of playing golf. And I think that's like what you said, the art of playing golf. Yeah. That's cool because, I mean, that's what it is. I think people get away from it sometimes. That's, that's one of the great. Hard to learn that. That's one of the great junior camp moments. I mean, I think we've been doing all of these together for whatever we said, seven, eight years. Yeah. And we've had some, you know, Greg's been part of this now for the last three, four years, three years or so. I mean, we've had, we've had a lot of fun times and lots of, I mean, I, I think. And this is Hack's first one with us. Hopefully, he won't. He'll come back <laughs> or invite us back, <laughs> or invite us yeah. back, and we'll come back. Um, but like you know, I think the other part of that for me is I know when we put one of these out there, especially this one, the VIP that we do each year. Like I genuinely, really am excited and look forward to like the three days we all get to spend together with the kids and do this. I mean, I think it's 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 one of the favorite things I do all year. Well, it makes us better. Makes us better as teachers, I think. Sharing ideas. I mean, heck, I mean, we've done that for 30, 40 years now. Drano, since the 80s, right? Sharing experiences. I'm so glad I came up with that rope and just show it to you. <laughs> Did I tell you about the note card yet? No. You? Tell me about it. Let, let me tell you. What do you do there? Yeah, so I, I summarize a lesson. And if you it look, you probably don't know this. No, I'm not actually. But, but, but if if you can't fit everything that you've taught a person in a lesson on a note card, you haven't done a very good job. So do I need a different note card for every lesson? No, no. Yeah, well, yes. But if you, I bet this, I guarantee if you did this, this no wait, this is going to be better. Wait, I'm going to tell you something here. Woody, let me tell you something. This is going to be a great podcasting moment. You'll listen. I bet if you took all of the lessons that you've done with Bo Van Pelt and you put them all on a note card and you laid them out on a table, I bet there would be a very consistent message through all of those. Did I teach you that? <laughs> so... Now I've been, I have, I have Talk stolen a ton of your. Yeah, no, no, no. But look, we've all shared that. But where it came was is that you needed to have a plan, and that plan doesn't change from lesson to lesson. That was the year plan, and our deal was is it had to fit on the back of a business card. I went to a note card. I know. I, I write smaller. Well, I couldn't afford business cards. <laughs> you didn't have a business at that card. point. <laughs> Nobody'd hire me. Yeah, but, but that no was. Yeah, you know, Greg, I, I want to hear your thoughts. So, <laughs> so we would go, we we would go, and we would call it spring training every year, and we would go to Florida, so we'd have great weather and just the two of us. And at the end of the three days, you had to put the year's goals on the back of a business card. I had one, he had one. So you never altered from the business card. That's what I'm trying to do this year. And it might be I'm trying to get better with my setup. I'm trying to get more tilt at a dress. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a better driver of the ball. I mean, I can have notes, okay, but it, it had to be on the back of a card. So when they would get lost, right? Yeah, I'm sure he's listening. 
So when he listens, well, he, yeah, I mean, he yeah, doesn't listen I'm to sure. Dan Bongino like you do. <laughs> guy, I mean, the guys listen to the tour coach. Yeah. He's ready for a comeback. So, yeah. He's listening to the damn. So tour. Thank, thank, thank goodness he's not here because then he could share real stories. But yeah, yeah. but I can remember him calling and he was he was he was struggling, and he says, "Hey, I was on the range and I got to thinking about this and this with my setup. What do you think?" I said, "Hold on, give me just a second. Let me pull my note card out and find out if it's on there." Click. <laughs> right? So I, I knew his message. He knew my message. And, I, and I've adapted some of that. Like, I think you could tell from, like, Lucas today, when he said, I reel him back in. Like, it's same basic principle. Like, hey, we've agreed. These are the things we're going to do and we're going right. to work on. And I know Wayne does that with all his players. And I know Hack does it. And I, I can just hear somebody screaming, though. They're like, but what I'm doing doesn't work. Right. So why would I Why would I do it? But you're not doing it. That's the you deal. You're, you're doing it. Right. You're not doing it. You're really not doing it. I think we all, everybody assumes that whatever they're trying to do, they're doing. And, you know, that is one of the beauties of technology. Because sometimes you can film them or put them on a swing cat or put them on a track man and say, no, I'm not swinging it left. <laughs> Shit, no, you're not. You're like you said. You were talking earlier about it. You know, no, you're not right. I mean, so, but they, but you're right. I mean, we get that all the time. I think. I mean, you know, well, I'm trying to do it, but I'm not. Okay, well, we may have to go find another way to help you figure out how to do it. But that doesn't mean that's right. what we're trying to do. You know, and I thought Lu- I thought the, the comment that Lucas made. He says, you know, I was struggling a little bit, and I found I was too far from the ball, and my my stance was too wide. Oh, okay. Well, we got right back to where we belong. So it did work, but it didn't work from the new setup. Correct. You know, he kept hitting pulls and 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 get pissed when he hits pulls, right? Yeah, because his ball can't start to the left. No, bad, bad for business. So he, you know, anyways, he and, and he wasn't playing awful. I mean, but right. he missed a couple cuts, which he hadn't done. And anyway, so I was just sitting there one night, and I was like, you know, hell, in January he played great. So I my thought, and I so I pulled out my laptop and. We had come down to hack. Remember when we came down in January? It was right before the Honda and uh, striping it. And so I had this videos of him on my laptop from there at, at Old Palm. And I was like, I did it. And I just hold the phone up of what I shot. And I was like, man, it's not a ton, but a little bit makes a big difference You're for right. those guys. And I was like, well, his butt's too far out. He's feet are wider and he's too far away from it. And like, fix that in Minnesota and boom, top 10, top 10. 20th at the British, like, and, and we didn't change a single thing else. Like, he didn't try to do anything different. He just, we just got him back to Still where he needs to be. But I think that's another value of having a good plan and a program and having a coach and a teacher that you really trust and communicate with. Because, like, I know you guys do. You can go back and look at stuff like that. And you're, and you're, but you're not afraid, you're not afraid to tell them that, right? And, and one of the hardest things to me, Sometimes as a coach, is to say to him like when he didn't, when they don't play good, is like you just didn't play good this week. You don't. I mean, right. you're not. Sometimes you know. That's what we heard from a lot from him today, which is awesome to hear. And everybody here just we're humans, which is great that he's that he's saying that. And it's it's hard to accept that though. Oh, put your head up, not down. Don't yeah. look so, I mean, here's a good story. So like Minnesota plays good the first round, doesn't play good the second round. Looks like he's going to miss the cut all Friday. Unfortunately, a guy triples the last hole that lets his number in, right? So he's sitting there. We're texting. He thinks he's missed the cut. I don't know what's wrong, man. You know, all the stuff we get when a guy's going to make it, right? I I played good yesterday, not good today, blah, 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 blah. 
I'm like, well, you know, you can still make the cut. Nope, it's over. I'm packing. Guy triples last. All he makes cut. He shoots like he shoots. He shoots course record on Saturday or on Sunday, and shoots like five under on Saturday. Finishes fifth or sixth or seventh or whatever. But it's like it's it's so funny how fickle the game is. Here's here's on Friday, and he wasn't doing anything different. He just didn't make many putts. I mean, Greg and I talked about that. And then all of a sudden, like, it, but it shows you though, like how close you can be from playing great, right? And I remember when that guy unfortunately did that though. The like, and I said to him, I, and it was the last guy on the golf course, last guy in. Triples the last hole. That's all the I forget what however many under four unders in, and I but I remember saying to him like that might be the thing that turns the streak around. Like you got you know, like sometimes you just need something positive to turn it around, and it has. He's you know two top tens and top twenty at the British. He played really nice golf, and and can I continue with that? No, you just what you just described was <laughs> the perfect example of a guy going from. About to miss the cut to finishing in the top 10 and doing absolutely nothing different over the span of 24 hours. Right. He was going Did home. Nothing different. He almost missed the cut, ended up finished, and didn't change a thing. Didn't have time to change anything. No. But there's was everyone such, in such a rush to fix things that aren't broken. That they think are broken. That they're not. What about, though, like the pushback to that, though? What about the guys that miss the cut, they do nothing, and then they miss another cut, and then they miss another cut, and then they Harvey stop Pinnick playing golf? Harvey Pinnock would always right? say, yeah, Harvey's lesson, Harvey's motto would be, you play bad, don't worry about it. Play bad a second time, you need to go to the practice team. Play bad a third time, call me. <laughs> <laughs> It's good advice. That's what he did. But the, there's two components at work here. There's the skill development or change, and then there's also playing golf. You could be hitting perfectly fine and not make cuts right. or vice versa. So as a coach, that's your job to determine, right? What's going on here? Are we not playing golf well or are we not hitting it well? There's a difference between the two. And somebody asked, you know, now that you're part of the conversation, asked why, why, why do we think that Lucas is playing so good? And it's all facets. It's not just the physical. It's not just the mechanical. It's got to be the emotional, too. I mean, they all got to be in harmony. Yeah, and, and I think one thing I've taken pride in is when I show everybody would always say he, he always hits it good, right? He always hits it solid. But, like, now he can control it, but that he's figured out that there's a – he doesn't spend tons of time hitting balls, but he's figured out there's a lot of ways for him to top 10 or win a golf tournament. Like, it's okay to have a week that you hit it average or below average, but he, like, now he gets pumped up that he's chipped and putted good yeah. and made himself a top 10. And, you know, I, mean, I think that everybody could learn from that. Like, I mean, there's just so many different ways to compete. Yeah. So, Greg, kind of your comment there of, of do nothing – is hoping there's a coach or somebody watching to point out when there is an issue. Yeah. I think at this level, it, those things become obvious. Yeah. I think with juniors, not so much. Right. It's about being patient. It's making changes that maybe take some time. It's not abandoning things when they don't work for a week or two or they go bad for a little bit. I mean, I think the, there's so many, young kids that want to be good all the time. Mm -hmm. That consistency piece. 
That I wish pa- I wish parents could have heard that speech today by Lucas. Parents of oh, yeah. Wayno and I talked about that. Like, you know, I really do. I wish they could they're, have heard. They're the worst, unfortunately. That's what he said about his nephew, right? Some yeah. about what he said about his nephew when he yeah. watched him play that junior tournament. Yeah, I mean, about, hey, why why are you out there acting like you hadn't done the work? But, you know, I mean, but like these parents. Just, and what are you doing getting mad? You don't deserve to get mad. Wow, parents, that was unbelievable. Parents are the same. I mean, like a kid has a stretch of playing great golf. Two or three weeks later, they don't play great. The world's ended, right? Need a new teacher. Right, need a new teacher. Kids play great golf for eight years. Need a new club. They don't think, or they, and they don't think he's hitting it as far as so and so. So we're going to go to the next next you well, know he, thing. I mean, like you know what? I mean, he's past your talent level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He he's outgrown that teacher. Oh, really? Okay. Alvin, that, Drano, hack. Oh, I mean, right? What, what's your answer to that? What do you Good wish luck. you could tell the parent? Good luck. Well, the answer is what Lucas said today. Um, it's it's not anybody's fault. It's my own fault. I'm the guy hanging on to the club. I'm the guy that ultimately makes the, the parents today. I'm the guy that hits the shot. The majority of parents nobody today want, don't want nobody wants that. Was that was a good message, and that's a rare. Yeah, there's not many. No, parents. There's no parents going to let their kid take the fall. Right, but the, sometimes you got to just understand. I mean, sometimes the kid doesn't put in the work. Right. You know, and I mean, this is horrible to say. But sometimes the person's just not good enough. And it's okay. It doesn't mean Now, here's a good question, it. too. As a coach, when do you tell a kid that? After they or, paid. Or do you? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? After they paid. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, sometimes, you know, like Lucas was saying, he said coaches had told him what he wanted to hear, as opposed to, hey, maybe you're just not good enough. That's a little extreme. Yeah, but don't you think, don't you think though, that the player... The self-reflection, the player should know. Yeah, yes. and I, But I also think, what, what are their... I think you help them see it. What's their objective? Is it to play on tour? Is it to enjoy right, yourself? No Is it to... So with kids, it's a little different. With tour players, obviously, they all have the same goal. But like... But we, talk, we, talk, we talked about earlier, we talked about expectations. Are, are they realistic? Right? You know, kid, you know, I need to go play, you know, D1 college golf. Okay, good. Well, are you the best player in your high school team? No. Well, maybe you ought to beat all those guys first. So I, I had right. a I had a kid right. who I taught who was a a really good small college player, wanted to play, and made a USAM, and he was decided he was going to turn pro, and so, you know, I and and he was determined, and and I said okay, you know, we'll come up with a plan, and but at the USAM I got him paired with two guys that I knew that were two of the best amateurs who were both about to play the tour now. I mean, he went out there and I mean, he got beat pretty bad in a practice round, you know, and it was demoralized. And when he came to me afterwards, I said, well, look, you're getting ready to go play pro. You're going to have to figure out how to be, you got to figure out with your game how you're going to beat those guys because those guys are going to play the tour. Right. Now, you need to figure out with your game, can I come up with a way that I can beat those guys and earn a living? And now he's, I mean, he's do, I mean, he still plays, but he's doing other stuff. But like, but like, I think sometimes you don't have to I mean, but like, you got to show them what's out there. Like, right. like that wasn't being mean, but like these two guys are going, they're going, I mean, they're going to make it. Well, there, there's this concept of you can either uh, survive in an environment or you fail and you die off. Right. So either you get in it and you rise to the level and you're able to do it or you don't. And for some people, it's going to happen. Right. Some but there's nothing will. wrong with not. No. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with chasing your dream. No. Yeah. I would tell everybody to chase your dream. I love it. 
If you got the opportunity and the means and the way to go right. try to do it, you damn sure ought to do it. Right. Don't be don't, don't be a thirty five year old saying if it coulda shoulda. Golf's confusing in a lot of ways. One being that the bar is always set at the lowest score you've ever shot. Meaning if you shoot sixty five one day, every time from then on out, it's I can shoot sixty five. And so I got beat by these guys, but maybe in next, maybe tomorrow I, I can still shoot 65 and beat these guys. We always hold ourselves to that standard, and it sets up a lot of people for failure. Right? The expectation is always set at where our lowest score it's was. It's like the amateur player standing on the par three. I can hit my seven iron 180 yards. No, you can't. Maybe you, you did, did once. once. Right. No, that's it. Never. It's hard to get away from that. Have you ever seen a, a player who has been thrown into an environment that you that they initially couldn't survive in and eventually got good enough to sure to thrive in that what did that look like how did that happen perfect example is justin rose i mean justin rose when he played uh, unbelievable in the open championship as a 16 year old 16 or 17 he was young turned pro the next day then he turned 30 right and he would tell you he he said i wasn't even close ian poulter sam ian poulter talks about it i wasn't yeah there's a great example dickie pride College? Absolutely. Saw him since he was seven. I mean, nobody would ever thought that that guy was going to make a living on the PGA Tour for 30 years. He he was great. He played with a young guy that I taught. He played a practice round with him. Kid was just starting out pro. And if you watched him play for 18 holes, it was in the last round of a tour event. You know, if you watched him play for 18 holes, you'd have thought this other kid beat him. Dickie shot four under. This kid shot two under. And they're walking to, they sign their cars, and then Dickie says to him, now what you need to learn from this is, he goes, did you feel like you should have beat me? Kid says, yeah. And he says, you need to figure out how the hell somebody that hits it like me has been able to stay out here and make a living for that long. And he goes, and when you figure that out, you're going to be all right. You only have to hit it good enough. Yeah. Yeah, but it was great advice. Nobody wanted to hear it then, but that's right. right? And that's not taking even Dickie. Dickie's no. all, where he's friends no. of all of ours. And he's a Love like man, and I'll tell you what, like to the young guys that I've taught that go out there, like he always takes time, spends time with them. I mean, invaluable. Because I mean, and you know, he doesn't know me as well, but it's because I know you too, yeah. right? And you guys, but like, man, that's but that they need to hear that. Well, that same team. You have Jeff Street and David Kirkpatrick who are scoring and then behind them was Mason Petty. I mean, there's a bunch of great players, right? Spike McCroy. So how did he keep jumping? jumping I, I have no idea. This kid's been – he's been to Q school – he's been a, oh my God. a dozen times in his career and gotten through a dozen times. Are you kidding me? It's impossible. I mean, he is the – he is the – he is a tough hombre. Whatever's inside, I have no idea, but he is going to figure out how to beat you. That, like to me, when you look at the guys, Hack sees them all the time living down here, the guys that are that have stayed out there a long time, there's something about them that's just tough. A little different. They have a toughness about them that's just way different than other people. Like, because it's a hard-ass game, and that's a hard life. And Cruel. You were talking earlier about a player like, man, being on the roads lonely. Oh, yeah. When they're, especially when they're starting out. I mean, they don't all fly private, right? You know? I think if most guys trying to make it saw what it actually took to make it, they wouldn't want to do it, right? 
Maybe not a lot, but or I don't know how yeah, the percentage is. But like to really know what it takes and what it's like, that would turn a lot of people off, in my opinion. Like you were saying, it's not all. Mm-hmm. It's very little. And unicorns, and it's lonely. It's hard. It wears on you. What is it? What does it really take? What does that mean when you say that? If they knew what it really took, the commitment to that lifestyle. I think it's not just going to the course and playing golf every day. It's a way. It all the things we just said. Time manage your time. Yeah. Time away from your family. You Discipline, with. patience, game plan, and no guarantees. Zero guarantees. There's no. Sign you could play well and win no money. <laughs> right. You can play really good. And go home. Yeah. You, you had an expense for the week. Yeah, and everybody thinks. I mean, they do make a great living. If they get there. But if, but even if. the guys on tour, I mean, you got to factor in the caddy, you factor in the taxes, you factor in the travel, you factor in their swing coach. Right. I mean, I got to eat. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, but you factor in all that. I mean, I, I think everybody just thinks that, like, oh, I mean, a guy made, so a guy finishes 40th in a tour event and he made 40, 38,000. He didn't make 38,000. No. You know what I'm saying? Just chop right. that in half first. Right. So he made that's nineteen. That. Nineteen. He's got to pay his caddy. So that's another. That's a. That's three grand by the time you pay him the percentage and the what he's paid him for the week. Twenty five hundred. Probably more than that. Okay. Seven nights in a hotel. Uh, so I bet it's four grand. So now he's down to fifteen. Right. Four nights in a five, a week in a hotel. So that's just say that's fifteen hundred. Okay. So now he's down to he's down to thirty uh, thirteen five. Thirteen five. Right. Travel. Right. Lost it. You know, five hundred. He's down to thirteen. Right. Rental. Yeah. Co- oh, no, rental. Oh, no, they get food. they get well, cars, get food. But say it's another couple hundred bucks. Say it's another five hundred. Maybe thirteen grand. Thirteen grand. And he's got to pay a swing coach. You got to pay a percentage or whatever. He's got to pay his thirteen a, grand a week. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> look, I I don't charge that much, but I feel like we got to renegotiate. But it's that's <laughs> the that's the big misconception. That is a huge misconception. And to do that, you got to play your ass off. You can't just show up. You gotta go play a pro am five hours with four of your best friends, right? I mean, it, it didn't all organized it. ball hunt. That's what we call. <laughs> oh, I love that. That was a great line. <laughs> organized ball hunt. But again, and we got a bunch of guys and girls here that are going to want to do it, and they've all I'll got talent. Ran try for sure. It'd like, be I think, super cool to play at the next level. The next level for for most of these men and, and these women are, are college, college players, sure. but there's some place for them to play. It's a great way to play, great way to go to school. And like now, you know, I've got a bunch of guys that play Canada, China, stuff like that. I think with what they've done with those opportunities yeah. is great, you know. And and uh, if you want it bad enough, you're willing to travel. Yep. Some guys don't want to do that, but then they don't want it bad. They don't want it bad right. enough. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions.
there's one thing if you know about me, if you've listened to the Dew Sweepers, you've come to listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Dew Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Dew Sweepers, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are, first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years, and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors. Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dewsweepersgolf.com, or you can always check me out on Instagram at the Dewsweeper.